0: Pastors, you do a great job in telling them what you want them to know, but you don't tell them what do you want them to do with that information. Because people in our community, they're saying, yes, that's great that it is um, 16.9 miles between Jerusalem and Jericho. But what does the Bible have to say? My husband just left me with for his secretary and left me with four kids. My, My son is strung out on drugs. What? How does the Bible apply to my situation? I'm struggling with porn. What does the Bible have to say about my situation? I think that we missed the boat as Bible teachers just by just telling people what we want them to know that, you know, uh, uh, that, you know, the Northern Kingdom was taken in 721 B.C., the Southern Kingdom in 586 B.C., and that's fine. But now that you told them, what do you want them to not do with that information? And so this is where I see a disconnect between Bible teachers today.
1: Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 263. I'm your host, Mike Neglia, and the voice you heard is our guest for this week, Pastor Tony Clark. In this Thoughtful conversation, Tony speaks about the missing ingredient that he notices in many sermons today. He believes and points out that practical application into the ordinary, regular lives of the members of our congregation uh, seems to be lacking in many of the sermons that are preached from our pulpits today. And Tony wants to speak to us about that. Uh, He believes that it isn't just enough to convey facts that are true and that are biblical, and then stop short of actually drawing connections between the ancient text to contemporary life. Tony, in this conversation, is going to give some examples as to how exactly we can do this. And then he also answers some of my pushbacks or my questions in a real stimulating and friendly way. So, in addition to that, we talk about apologetics, Israelites, the, the process of becoming comfortable in our own skin, and the, the challenges that are involved in finding our own voice through trial, error, and through personal growth. Uh, it's a longer conversation than usual, and I think that is a really good thing. You guys are in for a real treat I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, Crossway Publishing. Uh, I get to share about a book that just came out a few weeks ago, uh, back in January of 2023. I'm holding this beautiful book in my hands right now. Uh, The book is Come Lord Jesus by John Piper. Uh, Listen, it's no secret that I have a deep appreciation for John Piper, and I'm delighted to commend this book to the listeners of this podcast. There's questions that we might ask, like, what will the second coming of Christ be like? When will it happen? Or what signs will come first? In this book, Come Lord Jesus, John Piper explores the Bible's answers to these questions, but also reminds us of a far greater reality, that those who love and look forward to Jesus' second coming will receive a crown of righteousness. Pick up a copy of Come Lord Jesus wherever books are sold or visit crossway.org plus to find out how you can get 30% off. That's crossway.org plus. Thanks to Crossway for sponsoring this episode. If you have a book that you'd like to promote that aligns with the vision and mission of this podcast, or if you want to start a conversation about what sponsoring or advertising could look like on Expositors Collective, well, get in touch over Instagram, Twitter, or through our website. Anyway, I hope that this episode of Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's Word. Here's Pastor Tony Clark. Well, hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I am thrilled to be speaking with Tony Clark. Tony, good morning. How are you?
0: Good morning. Good morning. All is well. I am um, excited and honored to be on uh, that you even chose to reach out to me, I I tell you, I never take these types of things for granted. And so I'm honored that you would even do that.
1: Yeah. Well, well, Tony, you know, but let me just say to the listeners, I've been persisting. I've been pestering you (laughs) for about a year uh, to get you here. So thank you for finally giving in and and letting me talk to you on the show. (laughs) Yeah, this is great.
0: This is great. Looking forward to it.
1: All right. So I, I just, I, I start almost every interview with this question. I think it's a great way to kind of get to know you and your your life and ministry in context. Um, Tony, what was the first sermon that you ever delivered? What's the first time you taught the Bible in public?
0: Oh uh, Well, uh, that would take me back to uh, Okinawa, Japan in 1985 when I was in the Marine Corps. Uh, and I did a little Bible study at that that particular time. Uh, But the first sermon in a church, um, I would say, was September 1986, Uh, Black Pentecostal church. Once I got back from Okinawa, Japan, uh, I was stationed at Camp Pendleton uh, in California, and the church that I was going to at the time uh, gave me an opportunity uh, to um, you know, give my first uh, sermon and that was September 1986. Wow. And it was ho- and it was horrible. Oh. Thank God it, thank God it was no uh, you know, no recordings back then. If anything, it it'd been uh, barely on a cassette or something, but yeah. I'm thankful it was no uh recordings back then. And uh, uh, because it was absolutely horrible. I was so nervous. My heart was in my throat and I was just, as I call it, sick shooting. I was just (laughs) condemning everything that's in sight. And uh, it was just absolutely horrible. But that's how I got my
1: feet wet in um, September 1986. Wow. Wild, wild. (laughs) And, you know, to hear you preach now and and i've been honored to be in the room when you preached and also you know listening to the the word made plain and listen to your podcast stuff like mm. uh you are a man of grace and a man of kindness uh and mm. if you're um expositing mm. the the word i guess the question is like what's what's changed you've, you've put away the the condemnation six shooters evidently yeah. what's what's prompted yeah. that kind of journey in your your life and ministry
0: well, you know, for one, um, when I started going to Calvary chapels, uh, well, really I started listening to K-Way. Um, you know, as I was driving, I had an hour drive from my house, uh, to the part of Camp Pendleton that I was stationed at. It was an hour drive. So I was looking for a radio, a Christian radio station and came across, uh, K-Way and was blown away at the simple teaching of the word of God. And so all of the big boys that was on uh K-Wave at that time they really taught me how to teach the bible i had never heard this and in the black community you don't hear teaching like this it's it's nowhere near there's preaching in the black community and there's a lot of there's a lot of yelling a lot of shouting a lot of emotion a lot of stuff like that but celebration this, Yes, a lot of celebration, but the teaching of the word of God is not there. So when I started hearing this teaching, uh I was just blown away. I said, What is this? I like this. This this fit me. I never did fit into the the black Pentecostal mode of yelling and shouting and screaming. I never did fit. In, I always wanted to try to teach something, but I didn't quite know how to teach. And then Calvary Chapels taught me. How to teach the Bible, uh, verse by verse and chapter by chapter, book by book.
1: Yeah. Okay. And I mean, I, I I'm going to come back to like radio stuff uh, towards okay. towards the end. Okay. But like, yeah, yeah. But but now, like, you're on K Wave. Uh, what's yeah. <laughs> isn't isn't that a isn't that just a cool you know oh, full circle? My wife
0: and I talk about this all the time. That the station that really taught me. The Bible and taught me how to uh, teach the Bible, I am now on that very same station. And every time I think of it, I'm absolutely blown away and humbled by God's, uh, his grace and his goodness is just, it's my walk,
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is that is cool. You know, I, I grew up in in Fallbrook, California, so uh, oh, we were okay. kind of like yeah, adjacent yeah, yeah. to Camp Camp Pendleton. So yeah. uh, my dad my dad worked on there. He was um he wasn't he was a, a naval auditor, so he wasn't in okay. in the military, but he was like working on site with them. So,
0: oh yeah, you were down the street. You were down the street from when I was at Calvary Vista. Yeah, uh, you were right down the street. You take uh, uh, Vista Way all the way out, and you get you hit Fallbrook.
1: That's right. That's right. Yes. I love Fallbrook. Uh, great, uh, great place uh, in my heart for Fallbrook. Still, it's the it's the avocado capital of the world. So yes, yeah. So yeah, I always tell people I I grew up eating avocado toast um, oh, long before wow. it was cool and and expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's a, sorry. That's a little tangent that yeah, <laughs> most yeah. of the people don't care about. But, um. So yeah, I guess in in that journey again from that 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 first sermon and then. uh kind of being exposed to like a a different kind of 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 preaching that's actually kind of more on the lines of of teaching. Um like what was that that journey or that introduction like what was the first time that you okay here's the question. What's the first time that you tried to teach like how you heard it on the radio and how did that go?
0: Uh that was I was at Calvary Vista at the time. Um uh, and um you know, we used to do chapel for the the school. And um, uh, you know, so then I tried to I tried to teach it and and I tried to teach the Bible and all I all I did was mimic what I what I heard. Yeah. And and I tried my best to do it. And then I, I felt that at first I struggled because I felt that I had to squash my personality in order to be a Calvary Chapel pastor. And Mm -hmm. and then the Lord Lord had to set me free and said, I made only one of you. And so I began to merge um, the preaching of the culture I came out with, with the teaching of Calvary Chapels. And then I became set free to be me. And that was once I came here to Virginia in 1994. So I was like, it is okay to be who I am because there's only one of me. And so I, if I'm not being me, then who's being me? <laughs> so, uh, I, so that was when God began to set me free to be who
1: God made me and created me to be. Wow. Thanks. Thanks for that. That honesty. I mean, what a, what a poignant, poignant phrase, you know, I'm sorry yeah. to hear that, that you, you felt that you needed to to squash your personality to kind of fit in the Calvary yeah. Chapel world. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't like hearing that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was a tough time because you got to understand when I first started going to Calvary chapels in uh, Calvary Vista in 1988, um, there were only five black people at the entire church and my wife and I were two of the five. Okay. Yeah. So coming into that, so co- leaving an all black Pentecostal church coming to Calvary, Ch- uh, Calvary Vista and coming into that environment. I, I, y- you understand now why I felt I had to kind of push down, uh, you know, where I came out of, in order to fit in where I am right now or
1: at yeah. that present time. Yeah, yeah. And so what was it about moving to Virginia that you felt, let's say, um, I don't I, the, the freedom or the comfortable comfortability, if that's a word, to kind yeah, of be, yeah. be your own self?
0: Well, you know, I was here. I was here. I was out of uh, what we call Calvary land. I was out of Calvary land, Southern California, and I was here. It's more Bible Belt more, uh, traditional church stuff at the time. And, and I just felt that, um, uh, that I, I could be me now. I can, I can be the person that God made me. And he was shaping me as a pastor and shaping me as a teacher of the word of God.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then maybe, maybe to, to, Go back a tiny bit. I, I I think what's what's clear to me, but maybe hopefully, want to make this a bit more explicit. This was maybe was it more like kind of an of an internal thing that you felt that you couldn't kind of express yourself uh, in your Vista years. Um, it, I, I doubt that that the you know the the leader of Calvary Vista was telling you you got to be like a miniature version of me.
0: Right, right. It was internal. It was all an yeah. internal thing. Uh, that I loved what I was hearing. I loved the teaching. I loved yeah. the people. I loved everything. So I said, oh, I don't wanna, you know, I don't want to rock this boat. So sure. I felt that I had to quote unquote fit in yeah. in order to be really accepted.
1: Yeah. 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 So yeah, thanks for going back with me just for a minute there. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So now so now we've we've left Southern California. You're you're in uh you're in Virginia. Yeah. And what are the kind of the, the developments even of your own? confidence in your own voice while simultaneously having dependence upon the Lord. Um and and you're in this like church planting or sorry, did you yeah. plant the church or did you yes. Uh,
0: okay yes, not plant the church. Yeah. So
1: what's what's it like to to be doing that and then also be kind of be growing in your own sense of identity and self and calling while people are showing up and to kind of be growing in front of people. Yeah that was that was amazing because I I
0: thought I was going to be the next Bible answer man. I thought I was going to be the next, uh, you know, guy on the radio answered question. Apologetics was my thing. I I taught apologetics at our extension of our Bible college that was at Vista. I taught apologetics there and I just loved apologetics. So I thought that that was going to the next Walter Martin, the next, you know, Hank Hanegraaff and these guys that I grew up listening to. I thought that was what my calling was going to be. And the Lord said, no, I have to, um, I'm calling you to be a pastor. So the Lord had to shift uh, my teaching and mindset uh, from an apologist to a pastor. Uh, And not not saying that a pastor is not an apologist, Mm -hmm. but my primary thing was I teach through the Bible. And I was always, and the Jehovah Witnesses say this about this, or the Mormons would say this. Yeah. And so it was always from that perspective and God had to grow me as as, as a, a a pastor teacher of the word of God
1: and not just an apologist. Yeah. How off, how much does apologetics factor into your regular Bible teaching now in you know, 2023 or, you know, like, yeah, what, like it's, it, uh, cause there's little asides and how do you include those? Sure. In some, like, sure, yeah, cause, sure. Cause I bet every time you make a mention of it, you could go so many, so much deeper. What's the kind you of filter can. that you run through your mind to say, if this is worth including or not.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I look at, you know, what's relevant to, uh, what our church is going through or what the people in our community are going through. And so, um, yeah, I could go off on little asides and little tangents or rabbit holes. And there are times by which I do that. But yeah. uh, especially in this, uh, if I can loosely use the term post-COVID uh, culture, uh, Jehovah Witnesses are not knocking on folks' doors. Mormons are not knocking on the doors. And see, our community, we're dealing with the Hebrew Israelites mm-hmm. and the Muslims and not Jehovah witness and Mormons and stuff that I was trained in being an expert on, um, those are, they're not relevant, um, at this particular, uh, time. Now it's a matter of dealing with Hebrew Israelites, more, uh, black Muslims and, and, and those types of groups. So things have changed from 94 until today, Things have drastically changed where we were dealing with Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons and uh, word faith movement and things like that. Whereas today it's now the Hebrew Israelites, the black Muslims and and those splinter groups off of those.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a moving target, isn't it?
0: <laughs> it is.
1: It is. That's a good uh, line to use. A moving target. Yeah. Yeah, And um yeah. Any any quick um, shout outs to any like who who are some good ministries or some good voices you know to give answers to like the Hebrew Israelites and the, and is can you reference somebody really quick that you could point people towards? Yeah, uh,
0: there are guys like Eric uh, uh, Mason and Adam Coleman um, and uh, even Bobby Conway, uh, Dr. Bobby Conway of the One Minute Apologist. Uh, he's dealt. He has many. Uh, podcast dealing with these subjects, yeah. and he has actually interviewed uh, these guys like Eric Mason and Adam Coleman, uh, who will give some great answers on how to deal with uh, the Hebrew Israelites and and Black Muslims. Yeah,
1: yeah. And there's also um, like I think Jude Jude Three Ministries as as oh, well. Yeah. Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll put links in the show notes to to all of these. Okay. And and man, I I I hear you. I I feel like because I I have left fallbrook california and i i live in ireland and when i first moved here you know man i was just like i gotta understand roman catholicism inside and out you know and actually i could almost reach on my bookshelf and you know i had you know i got to read the catholic catechism i got to you know be up on trent and the council of trent and trent you know and all these things and you know what People don't care anymore. You know, it is. It, you talk about post-COVID. We're in. We're in post-Catholicism. Nobody cares. And so I. I know way too much about Catholic apologetics, and I've used. I've used that that information like five times in about twenty years. It's so it it is kind of the you know that that moving target thing. It it really is, and so it's. It's important to do the homework, but then you also need to realize what actually is relevant for these people right here, right now. That's that's important. That's true.
0: That's true. And that's, and that's the thing that I'm, I'm dealing with in the culture and setting that, that I'm in. Um, I have to deal with these relevant issues and the stuff that I thought meant something and did mean something 20, 25 years ago. Doesn't mean the same today.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Yeah. man, this is not on script at all, but I'm, I'm loving this. this. (laughs) Um. Okay. Getting back on script. So, uh, I heard you preach in person. I was at the, the Calvary Chapel CGN, uh, conference, uh, in California back in June and was just loving your session that you did on the gospel from cover to cover. Now, um, what kind of prompted you to talk about that and how did you come to believe that the, the gospel message is not just something that starts in the book of Matthew, but is kind of the cover to cover message of the Bible?
0: Yeah, for me, um, number one, just being in Calvary Chapels for so long and being exposed to Calvary Chapel so long, Pastor Chuck Smith, um, you know, modeled this, you know, for us. And um, I'm thankful that I was honored to have over 20 plus years of pastors conferences with pastor Chuck. And so I've heard him ad nauseum, you know, talk about this sort of stuff. And so for me, um, you know, John 5:39, 39, uh, it's a search scriptures for, and then you think you have eternal life. These are, they which testify of me. And then, um, uh, uh, you know, Hebrews 10, 7 says in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. And so what's so amazing is that when it says search the scripture, that that, that Greek word for search, it means to, it it, it speaks of what a, a hunting dog does in, in, in snipping out the scent of blood. And that's what we are called to do is snip out the scent of blood from gender, not only, uh, uh, in Matthew, like you said, but from yeah. Genesis three fifteen all the way through to Revelation twenty two. So we're to be sniffing out the blood, and and it is there. Every type, every symbol, every metaphor,
1: all points to Jesus Christ. Sniffing out the blood, Tony. Yeah. I love that. That is so good. I love that. Um, and do you think that there's like better and worse ways? To to do that. Um have, have you maybe in your own experience like growing in this or have you observed people, you know, sniffing out the blood in kind of a sloppy way or a careless way?
0: Yeah, you know, and, and you can you can get, you know, sloppy with it. Um, you know, uh, but at the same time, I think that going, uh, what keeps you from getting too sloppy is by going verse by verse through the scriptures. it, it will keep you locked in because you got to deal with the verse in its context because as we know prophecy and those prophetic scriptures they have a immediate context and a futuristic context yeah. and we got to keep all those things in mind and i just think that uh going verse by verse through the bible keeps us from getting sloppy because we cannot uh, uh just continue to uh you know talk about jesus in the scriptures. And then it it doesn't fit. We got to now bring these verses in and say, ah, maybe it doesn't mean that. And so the going verse by verse keeps us locked in.
1: Yeah, yeah. What what a great point. Yeah, you can't carelessly say something and then, but then the next verse, you're like, oh, wait a second. Yeah. It's self-correcting, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, okay. So um, also, so you're a, a Bible teacher, you know, Sundays coming, you know. Every every week, you know. I assume that you're you're preaching most of those Sundays. Um, could you just bring us into kind of the more nitty gritty? Um, what's it like to get a sermon ready for you? Like what what does it look like on the calendar? What days? What books? Sure, yeah. sure. Now, now for me, you
0: know, I will start, and um, uh, I will start on Monday. Monday, I will look at the next set of verses. Uh, that I'm going to be dealing with, I will be in prayer to see whether I'm going to cover that particular paragraph, you know, in the scriptures or whether I'm just going to cover that verse. Then that will mean that I got to do a part one, part two of this. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm praying uh, as before I even get started. And then I read the verses. And I said, oh, I'm going to cover these verses. And then once I get into it and start getting into the nitty gritty, uh, then it's like, I know I now only got time for uh, these verses here. I'm to have to make this a two-part. So that's, uh, you know, like right now on Sunday mornings, I'm in the book of Romans and um, and I'm in that, the greatest chapter, uh, arguably in all the Bible, chapter eight. Yeah. And so um, I thought I was going to cover it uh, in a certain rhythm, if I can use that term, certain rhythm, rhythm. Yes. but uh you know, it's like, nah, you know, like, uh, uh, the suffering in this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory, uh, verse 18 of chapter eight. I thought I was going to cover that with some other verses. I ended up just covering that verse talking about the suffering of believers. And then, um, you know, I got down a few more verses and I thought I was going to cover this, but it did, it changed. So, um, and, and I have, you know, the commentaries out and now, you know, I was um very much dependent upon commentaries in the early days, whereas um now not so much in the sense that I still read them to make sure that I'm in line uh you know with with historic christianity uh and then you know from there, the Lord began to uh begin to speak and begin to you know I jot something down and and then it'll just springboard on on other things, and so I'm not as dependent upon the commentaries as I once was. But every message, I still pull out the commentary. I'm old school. I know y'all probably got logos and and they were able to cut and paste, and I I don't I still handwrite my sermon. So forgive me for being old school. And so I pull out the books and I pull out the stuff and. I jot these things down. And so that's, and then that's that's Monday. And then after that, Thursday, I come back to it. And I come back and read. Now that I got the notes done and stuff, I come back and I, I'm scratching that out, adding this in and you know, praying through it. Friday, I come back to it again. Saturday, I come back to it again. And then Sunday morning as I'm at the church at zero dark thirty. I I go over it the last time. I spend that time in after that. I spend time in prayer. Nobody is there,
1: and um, and then I get up and give the message. Wow, wow, okay. Two questions. Number one: So Monday and Saturday, you're working on the sermon. W- when's your day off? My my day off is Monday. <laughs> so doesn't sound I, like a day I, off, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> no, it doesn't.
0: It doesn't, and so. Uh, so monday i i do i I do the message um uh, like in the afternoon, um and you're right, that I guess to me, it's a type of day off where yeah. I'm not going over to the church uh but um uh, but yeah, i I do that's what I'm doing, so in in between, like on Saturdays, in between, you know, kids and grandkids and all that kind of stuff, I will come uh, in the morning and kind of go over the message. Uh, And then at night, Saturday night, i go over the message again. And then Sunday morning, zero dark 30, I'm going over it for the last time. And God, the things God has revealed to me that Sunday morning is just, I cannot even put it into words how it has transformed and helped shape uh, the message uh, on Sunday morning. So it's not like, "Ah, I'm going to neglect Sunday morning. No, because, I've just seen what God has done and how he has spoken to me. And then I get up and say, you know, I was in my office uh, early this morning before you guys even got here. And the Lord spoke to me and said X, Y, and Z. And it's just amazing how the Lord would do that every single week, every week.
1: Okay. Okay. I, I, I'll, I'll let you off, but I do want to say, I hope if you feel like Monday's, I hope, I hope Janice and, the, and I hope that it's, I hope that everyone benefits. I'm saying this as somebody, I kind of, I kind of had no, no Sabbath for like two or three years straight. Yeah. And yeah, just in the past six months or something, i kind of gotten that back in my life. And so I don't want you to be robbed of that blessing that I've just been, right. <laughs> sorry, yeah, this, is yeah, this is an intervention. This oh, is an intervention. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes, and I accept that. <laughs>
1: um and the other thing about that is um they, so you you handwrite your notes still um good yeah. job what what kind of pen do you use what kind of paper uh, do you use yeah I, you know i care a lot about this kind of stuff
0: yeah i have a, i have a notebook um you know i will have a spiral notebook you know something like yeah. this now this is uh this is wednesday night so yeah. Uh, as I will be at first of the year going back to Second Samuel. Yes. Um. This is this is my new Second Samuel spiral book because yeah. I used up the other ones. Yeah. Uh, and then I have a Sunday morning uh, spiral notebook uh, as well. And so I just it's worked for me for yeah. almost
1: thirty years. And so, so do different you know, different books get different notebooks.
0: Yes. 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 Different books get different notebooks and I put it right on the cover what book I'm in. And so yeah. if I'm looking for a message, I say, oh, here's my Romans uh, 2022 book. Yeah. And not yeah. not the Romans 20 uh, to, to 2001. No, yeah. Not yeah. that one. Yeah. So, yeah. So I got I got a, a whole cabinet full of just notebooks and, uh, you know, and it's something to see some of the old ones and see how God spoke to me then, yeah. And to see how I taught then, to see how I taught now, and that was one of your questions. Um, also, how yeah. did I change? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And he, this is the big one here. This is a big one. I used to, um, I used to go from reading the scriptures, and this is big. Reading the scriptures and going immediately into the application without first telling them what the verse meant. And that was that. And so as I began to grow, I said, I never did tell them what this meant. I just told them how to apply, but you got to know what it means in order to properly apply it. So that was the thing. And here's the thing, because another question was what do I think about guys today? I think the teachers today tell them, they tell people what it means, but they don't tell them how to apply it. That's that's what I see from a lot of newer Bible teachers today because every message must answer two questions. What do you want them to know? And what do you want them to do? Now that you told them that it's 16.9 miles between Jerusalem and Jericho, what do you want them to do with that information? How are they to apply it? So I think that a lot of guys, even the great um, John MacArthur and the great Bible teachers like him and, and, and these others, they will tell you what the Bible says, what, you want they, what they want you to know. But the, here is the part that I've spoken in, in pastors' conference around the country. I said, pastors, you do a great job in telling them what you want them to know, but you don't tell them what do you want them to do with that information? Because people in our community, they're saying, yes, that's great that it is um, 16.9 miles between Jerusalem and Jericho. But what does the Bible have to say, my husband just left me with for his secretary and left me with four kids. My my son is strung out on drugs. What how does the Bible apply to my situation? I'm struggling with porn. What does the Bible have to say about my situation? I think that we miss the boat as Bible teachers just by just telling people what we want them to know that, you know, uh uh that. You know, the Northern Kingdom was taken in 721 B.C., the Southern Kingdom in 586 B.C., and that's fine. But now that you told them, what do you want them to do with that information? And so this is where I see a disconnect between Bible teachers today because they, I think so often they're trying to impress people with their knowledge because a lot of folks are, are very... Heady and word, uh, mm. you know, they're very, uh, they got the degrees and there's nothing wrong with schooling. But I think that what has happened is a lot of them are just trying to impress people with their knowledge and show how smart and clever they are. And the power is not in our cleverness, our cuteness, nor our stories. The power is in the gospel, the word of God. And it was seem that Paul learned this lesson. I, 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 I told this on Patrick's perspective just this past Tuesday. I said, it will seem like Paul learned this lesson. When he was in Acts 17, he was philosophizing on Mars Hill with the Athenians and quoting quoting their, you know, their Epimenides and quoting their, and we're his offspring and all this sort of stuff. But if you would notice, there was never, ever, a church planet in Acts. It will seem that when he got to chapter 18 of Acts and he was in Corinth, we got an insight into 1 uh, uh, Corinthians 2. And he says that my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. It will seem like he learned his lesson from trying to philosophize and show how smart he was by quoting their poets and all that kind of stuff. but And then we know that there was a powerful church that was all started in Corinth. But when he was philosophizing and and all this sort of stuff, there was not a church planted in Athens. And it would just seem like Paul learned his lesson. So what I see today is a lot of guys want to philosophize and show how smart they are and thinking that the power is in their cuteness or their persuasive words of human wisdom, but it's in the demonstration of the spirit and of power,
1: okay, wow. yes. and and maybe to even add to that, I think that there also is a maybe a fear in a younger generation of of teachers and preachers that would also say, "I don't want to be legalistic and and to have any form of application might be frightening or intimidating to people because it's like, well, if I'm just there telling people what to do, then I'm just going to be like some religious overlord legalistic person. And I know that in my younger years of teaching and preaching that oftentimes I would just kind of end a sermon with something like this and, you know, and may the Holy spirit apply this to our hearts. You know, let's, let's yeah. pray. Um, Cause yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be like, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And yeah. I think that that's a, that's fear-based, that's incorrect. And sure, sure. Uh, Titus chapter two says that like, you know, that the grace of, God, of our God has appeared, like teaching us to deny ungodliness. Yes. Um, yes. And so it's grace that actually guides us away from certain things and towards other things. It's not, it's not a matter of like grace or application. It can, it can be both. And I, I thank you for pulling that out and for highlighting that to us.
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, what, what, what it is, you're right. Titus 2, 11 and 12, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us grace teaching teaches. And so that grace teaches us how to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present age. So the grace of God keeps us from legalism and it keeps us mm-hmm. from bringing the application in in a grace-filled type of way. And that's what Pastor Chuck taught us in, gray, in his book, Grace Changes Everything, yeah. and he wrapped everything into the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And that's what keeps us from being uh, uh, legalistic. But what happens is, is when we just tell people what we want them to know without telling them what they want them to do, we turn our people into Pharisees and Sadducees and we turn our churches into institutions instead of the body of Christ gathering together. And that's what I see has happened is, is there's a bunch of head knowledge people that just like the Pharisees, a bunch of head knowledge, their heads are so big with biblical knowledge that it, it has not taught them, that grace hasn't taught them that to how, how to deny ungodliness and worldliness and live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present day. So the grace of God must teach us how to do these things, or we'll be left to ourselves. It's just like, it's just like the most guys try to teach the Song of Solomon as Christ loved the church, as Christ love for the church. Okay, there's room for that. There's definitely room for that. But there is a real application of husband and wife situations that we get from the Song of Solomon and that when I give that in marriage conferences around the country, people are blessed. It's beyond just Christ loved the church. No, when they originally got that book, matter of fact, the Jews said that a boy couldn't read the Song of Solomon until he was 12 years old because it might stir up the passions, you know. So it is really a book to apply to husband and wives because that's, we see that, we see them date, we see them court, We see them get married. We see them fight. We see them uh, mend their relationship all through the book. So, but if we only go with Christ's love for the church, then where where is the church going to learn how to do marriage? Yes, Mm -hmm. Ephesians 5 and stuff like that. But outside of that, we have a whole book that we can learn how to deal with our marital issues, but we just reduced it to
1: Christ's love for the church. And you said two things in this conversation and I know you believe both of them. You believe that the gospel is from cover to cover. You believe yes. that there's things in Song of Solomon that, yes. that are like a picture of Christ in the church.
0: Okay, then let me have, I'm sorry to interrupt. Let me just say this. <laughs> yeah. I taught, I taught the Song of Solomon as, you know, husband and wife situation. And then I turned around and taught it through again, talking about Christ's love for the church.
1: Wow. Like as in two yeah. two series in a row, or as in like in each sermon, there'd be one of each.
0: Back to back. back two to series to the I did. I sure did. <laughs> two sure different did. Two, two different notebooks. Uh, same
1: notebook. Okay. Same notebook.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So that was good that you pointed that out as far as uh uh you know the gospel from
1: cover to cover. So yeah.
0: I could not leave out. Yeah, yeah. Christ's yeah, love yeah. for the church. I couldn't yeah. leave that
1: out. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, even talking about yeah, marriage relationships, yeah. Ephesians 5 has an important thing to say about marriage, but that's yeah. not all that marriage is.
0: Yes, yes, that's right. And 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 the thing about it is, uh, it's really um, you know, talking about the Holy Spirit. And then this is how the Holy Spirit is applied to husbands, and this is how it is applied to wives, because And be not drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit, verse 18. And then it shows how it will look being filled with the spirit. You will speak to one another in songs and hymns, the spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, you know, and that sort of thing. So it's really talking about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit in the home as husband and wives.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. So you're highlighting this this lack or this need that you're you're seeing amongst, let's say, you know, younger Bible teachers. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. how how can I was gonna say we, but I'm mm. I'm getting older, Tony. So how how can they, how can these younger, uh, newer Bible teachers who are better at talking people about what to know and maybe yeah. are fearful or reluctant to tell them what to do, like what's a step, how can you coach them to get better at application? I think that the first place uh, that
0: it starts, it starts in prayer. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Because uh, as we, as we begin to pray and, um, and really begin to get the heart of God, God knows the heart of man. Uh, John two twenty four it says it, Jesus doesn't need any man. Tell him, you know, what about man? He knows what was in man. So he knows us better. And so I'm always praying as I'm going over my notes. I'm praying that God will give me a a a prophetic word, that he will give me a a a Rhema right now word, that God will give me something um that can apply. Uh let me let me give you a perfect example. I spoke at a church, um, and this was uh, October 2021, I spoke at a church a very large church um, in California. And all of a sudden the Lord impressed upon my heart that there was, there was people there that um, they were here and they were with someone that's not their spouse. And, um, and, and God sees it and, and you need to repent. And I'm telling you, I, I did not, I didn't, I just left it at that. I came back and spoke at that church not that long ago. And God impressed upon me again and said, you know what? Some of you are here, you, you were somebody else's spouse. You were somebody else's wife. You were somebody else's husband. And God sees it. And God is going, you need to repent or there's going to be some consequence to it. I And I just left it at that. And I went on with the teaching of the verses or whatever. Yeah. I got a phone call maybe two weeks ago. I got a phone call and said that they needed to talk to me and said that, do you remember the first time you said that? I said, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I remember. It was October 2021. And this is what they said. They said we, uh, there was a staff person whose wife was in hospice and he was with another woman and you nailed it that time and said this time, what a main pastor on staff, this, this is what was going on with them. And so you're two for two right now. Uh-huh. So I, you know, and I'll just, I was blown away. I was just like, I just said what God wanted me to, 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 to say and being sensitive because every time I go speak to her, I pray that God will give me what the hearts of the people are going through. Uh-huh. Because people in Newport News is different from people in New Mexico or California. And I just need to know. And so God will begin to give me things that's not in my notes, that is outside of my notes, that is specific for what these folks. I did the same thing in, in when I was uh, teaching in Africa. Same type of thing where the Lord will impress upon me some kind of cultural thing that was going on. That's not biblical. Mm -hmm. And I had people surrounded around me asking me questions. So don't be afraid to be sensitive to what the Lord may be speaking. And that can only come through prayer, being men of of prayer. And so the academics, they have this place and um, we need to be accurate in teaching the scriptures. Uh, but there's also a word in season that Proverbs talk talks about, and we need to be able to uh, be sensitive to speak that and not be afraid. So, because I've you know been doing it for so long, uh, I'm not afraid to say things in certain settings. Um, because I remember, I remember 2010. I did the devotional for a pastors' conference in California. Pastor Chuck was there, and so. And and it was at the time uh, Christianity Today did this scathing article on us. And I said, here we are. We've always pointed the finger at everybody else. And we got three pointed back at us. And now that folks are talking about us, now we're up in arms and all in our feelings. And I began to talk about that stuff. And then so right afterwards, we used to, in Marietta, we used to go walk after the devotion, walk up to the, uh, the dining facility. And where we had breakfast and Pastor Chuck would always sing us a song, you know, and then he he will pray. And he said, and Lord, we pray for us today and pray for our toes that just got stepped on. And so that's what Pastor Chuck said. So we can't be. We can't be uh, against being sensitive to what the Lord is speaking uh, in any given moment, especially. When we're preaching a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, as we're teaching, because there's many times I've said, you know what, this is not in my notes, but somebody needs to hear this. And they will come afterwards and say, you know what, it was like you were talking directly to me. I was the one you were talking about. So that's the kind of stuff that I'm, that, that can only come through.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Tony. Those are um, very thrilling and exciting um, and hard. Uh, yeah. words that God keeps giving you. And I think he trusts yeah. you with them. And so yeah. that's why yeah, one of the reasons why he's given to you. So that's okay. That would be, yeah. Word of knowledge or word of prophecy or that specific thing. And that is, I guess that's, that's a form of application, but it's incredibly specific because, yes. you know, to say like, Hey, someone's here with someone who's not their real spouse, you know, sure. Sure. That, that's, sure. that's incredibly, that's application for one dude, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe more yeah. who knows um yeah but that's very very specific but but what about just the the broader application of like yes you know you, you talk about this verse and you're like and you know this this could really you know as we raise our kids it's important that we remember that you know like sure so, sure, sure. Yeah, so how sure. do you make those those things broader and everything and maybe the kind that don't really come out of prophetic prayer but they're just like I'm studying this text. I'm thinking about my church family and here's what I want them to know about raising their kids or something.
0: You, ju- you just said, and, and that's how it would, it would actually come. Yeah. Um, because as I cover uh, a set of verses uh, I, and give what those verses mean or give what that one verse means. And then I will pause and I'll pray. I said, Lord, if there's something here, uh, somebody that will be here that needs to to hear something or they need, uh, this applied in some, some kind of way. And because I've been doing this so long, it just comes easily for me just to apply because it's like, what do you want them to know? What do you want them to do? Okay. I told them what I want them to know. Yeah. Is there anything for them to do in these verses that would apply to their daily life? And sometimes it's, it's not. I'll just go to the next set of verse. Yeah. Right. Okay, and, then, yeah. and, and, yeah. and, but there's times by which, uh, I put in my notes. It it, will, it goes under application. And I write application dot dot. And then I began to uh, write uh, how this principle can be applied to today's time, showing them that this, quote unquote, 3000 year old document applied. It's like reading the daily newspaper. And so I mean, just say I'm in Second uh, Timothy three, you know, and, um, uh, you know, some will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure you know, and all that kind of stuff. It's all kind of application. How are they lovers of pleasure? And today, they're the- matter of fact, I just talked about how much time we spend scrolling on, on social media and all that kind of stuff. I said, so don't tell me, don't anybody tell me that they don't have time to read the Bible. Don't ever tell me. We watch seven to eight hours of TV a day, but I said, we probably don't do quite as much because we spend the other time on social media. We just, I said, I can even, you know, be flipping and answering questions of, with this, I said, two hours gone. I didn't blow two hours, and so I, and it was uh, that was an application to what I was talking about um, uh, in the verses that I just finished covering.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That. They, thank you. And, and since this is a problem, as you said, I think those are some really good steps for people to begin thinking about and working into their next their next sermon. And I appreciate, too, that you said, like, you know, sometimes there, there might not be an application, you know. Sometimes it's just that, you know, the Northern Kingdom was conquered in 722 B.C. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's it. Yeah, It is what it is. It, 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 you know, and that
0: is it. And so, um, um, and there are times by which I might even, in cases like that, I might even say, you know, um, and some of you have been conquered as well. And this is how you've been conquered. You've been conquered by pornography. And, and you, you look at them and say, oh, it's so sad that they're in captivity. And some of you are in captivity right now. Hmm. And so and I don't think that that goes beyond or start moving into some kind of eisegesis and all that kind of stuff. I just think that that's just good practice applying what has taken place. And I think that there's folks that, that are in captivity. And, um, you know, they were there for, you know, 70 years. And, you know, and I, uh, you know, the uh, five eighty six. you see the Southern Kingdom uh, was there, you know, 70 years and blah, 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 blah. I give all that. Uh, but some of you have been in captivity as well. It may not be 70 years, but for the last 70 months. You might have been. So I will throw something like that out if I'm led to and yeah. not every single time. And yeah. so um, th- that's kind of how you begin to bring these uh, what some people call archaic idea but they yes. read like the daily uh, i've got to say the daily newspaper i'm sorry i'm old uh like the daily
1: social media posts yeah yeah, yeah
0: so okay so, yeah right.
1: so tony may may i have permission to, to push back a little bit or to to be the yeah. the interlocutor um okay so I, I hear okay i again i'm not super young but i'm also i'm i'm amongst those application averse people you know sure. and, and sure. you sure. know i'm i'm working at it i'm trying to get better um but so I, I hear that and I think, okay, so yeah, they were in captivity for 70 years. some of us have been addicted to pornography. you know I, I hear you say that and I'm like, yeah, but that's not what it means. like that's not what happened. you know that's you know yeah yeah and, and yeah. so I, I kind of hear that and I, my initial thing is like that's not what the text means. no, how, but I, see, I make sure that I give what it means. okay see yeah. that's
0: the, that's the key. yeah you gotta give what the verse means, but yes. this is how you can take that and apply that no. It's not, none of us were in captivity for 70 years. None of yeah. us. Yeah. However, that is that is that that is the interpretation yeah. of the verse. Yeah. But where is the application or where can we find application that won't go into Jesus? And what has happened today is that there are a lot of people who will reject that. By going with what you just said, that's yeah. not what it means. Yeah. What? Well, but then I say I already told them what it meant, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. they yeah. already know what it meant and what it meant in its historical context. It's no different than prophecy having an immediate interpretation and a futuristic one. Yes. So why yes. can't it have an immediate interpretation and also an immediate application? Why can't? Why can't we say that? without, we, we're not doing anything heresy or eisegesia because we already told them what it meant. Yeah. We gave yeah. the Hebrew, yeah. the historical data. We gave all that. So instead of going on to the next verse or the finish the sermon and all they left with is a big head full of knowledge. Yeah, And, and it's good because Second uh, Peter 3.18 says, but growing the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we should grow in the knowledge. But how how do... The people in our community, how does that help me? And I'm by myself with four kids. Mm -hmm. My husband just left me. How does that help me? Uh, Was my husband addicted? Yeah, he was addicted. So can I apply that? He was in captivity to drugs. Yeah, I don't think that that's, that's incorrect. And you may have some very good Bible scholars who are really into what they want them to know to say, ah, oh, you need to just stick with that. That's not what that means. And then they have churches full of very fancy legalistic people who have a bunch of head knowledge and don't know how to apply
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. And I heard, I think our, our mutual friend, uh, Aaron Campbell, I think he's, he's. I don't think he made, coined this phrase, but I I heard it from him. He says that it's tadpole Christians, you know, all head, no hearts. <laughs> yeah.
0: And- yeah. That's good. That's good. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, credit to Aaron, but then I have a feeling he probably heard it from somebody else, but so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Okay. That's uh, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for kind of teasing that out. And yeah. I mean, essentially too, it's like, too, it's kind of thinking, maybe thinking through what is the job of the pulpit, you know, is, yeah. is the, is, is the pulpit, the place where information is dispensed or is it a place where like the congregation is pastored? And so, are we up there exclusively as as teachers, or are we up there as pastors? And we want oh, to—that's like, be able to that's like good. again, we're we're teaching the Bible, yes, and we're also using the Bible uh, with all with all. We're using the Bible to pastor people and to address, yeah, kind of the the real situations of of the people. And the Bible um, has these like these touch points, these pain points that we can kind of tug at a little bit and then yeah pos- possibly even i like what you were saying kind of clarify and say okay guys now i want to talk to you about other kinds of captivity sure 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 and, and yes, to, yes, to, yeah yes. to 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 clearly say this you know you know this reminds me of things that are going on in our community right now boop, 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 yeah. Boop. And so yeah
0: yeah and that's it right there you you just you just nailed it what i've seen is that many uh, people of as I can use the term today, people of our tribe, I've seen Calvary chapels turn their churches into classrooms hmm. where where just knowledge is dispensed. And and we forgot that we're pastors, True. pastoring folks' souls that we're going to give an account for. If one want to give an account, so let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that yes. will be unprofitable for you. So I think that what has happened is we've turned and, and people come with their Bibles and their notebooks and they come and they jot their notes. We got our PowerPoint and we give these, it's almost like a lecture, a boring lecture. And the Lord didn't say, well done, my good and boring servant. And a lot of guys are just boring. I told them this too, I, around the country. I said, a lot of y'all are boring and, and, and y'all talking these monotones and it's just boring. He didn't say, Well done, my good and boring servant. You bored them down there. Come on up and bore them up here a little long. No, (laughs) no. We should give, uh, Spurgeon talked about we should give everything into uh, preaching. And we're not talking about being outside of your personality and who God made you. No, we're not talking about that. But it's funny. We can be excited when our favorite team kick a, a black and white ball into a net or dunk a ball into a goal but then we get up and talk about God in the most boring way. Yeah. But we can be excited when our team scores a touchdown. And so I, I just think that the same enthusiasm as you know, enthias, is it, 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 what that word means. We're into God, right? yeah. and I think the people should know that we're. If anybody's into God, we yeah. are into God, <laughs> yeah. and we should we should share that with the people. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I do. You know, uh, quite a bit of kind of like. Sermon, uh, um, feedback or sermon critiques, um, for people and kind of a common thing that I highlight to people is that, you know, listening to your sermon, you get really excited when you're in your illustrations, you know, or Uh, when you're, when you're telling a story from your own life or, or a cute story about your kid or whatever, boom, you're, you come alive. And then, yeah. as soon as that part ends, okay. Anyway, where was I? Oh yeah, verse six. Uh, yeah, oh, uh, you know, it's like, how? Yeah, try to try to don't give the impression that like your life is the exciting parts and the Bible yeah. is boring.
0: That's good that you picked up on that. That that is so good that you were able to point that out for them and be able to share that with them because that is some keen insight. That only God can
1: give. Well, well, yeah, and and it's common, and and I guess you know I I, I see it all over the place. <laughs> you know that's, that's yeah. kind of what I think. And again, maybe I just I kind of noticed it in one person, and then I've I've seen it um, almost everywhere else. And so yeah, I just I, I and and again, we don't want to. Um, pretend to be more excited about the Bible than we actually are. It's not performance. Sure, sure, But sure. I guess maybe just like spend enough time in it during the week that you actually are thrilled by what you discover in it and that that is just as exciting as the cute story about your kid.
0: That That's good because, um, you know, I, and, and I know that there's going to be some people who watch this who are going to um, do what you initially did by, let me try to give some pushback. Yeah, and you don't. I, and I already know. I know that. I know the type. Uh, and and so when it comes to, uh, the application part, there are a lot of people who reject that, and um, and and I know that there's going to be some to contact you. Yeah, hey, Mike. You know, uh, I'm with you, brother. You know, <laughs> and, and and that's okay. Yeah, and they can continue to do. You know tell them what they want the people to know. And that's, that's it. And you gave them some head knowledge and okay, you can go and do that. But you know, I just, I just know that as I've gone around uh, the country or really around the world and have spoken when the word, see, this is what's happening. Watch this, watch it. They're going to get this. This is what we call making the word flesh. That you, the Word of God, Jesus is the Word made flesh. We're just making the words flesh, or bringing it into an application where people can now live it out. It's one thing to know it; it's another thing to live it out. And so, all I'm trying to do is make the Word
1: flesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, uh, I, I looked at the. This is like a long, a really long interview. Hope you don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm good. I, yeah? I don't
0: know what time. I don't. Yeah. I don't see the clock. That, I don't want to take up great. too much of
1: your time. I, I got. I got. What? I got two more questions. You got time for two more? Yes. We're just let's powering do it. through this. We're powering <laughs> through it. Um. Okay. Good. I, I want to honor your time. And oh, um, i'm good. Yeah. And uh, people, you know, when I listen to podcasts, you know, I just I just pause and then I come oh, back yeah. to it the next day. So sure, who knows? If sure. People are gonna if, if if we're gonna be a you know people are gonna listen to us on. Tuesday and then a bit Wednesday and then finish up on Thursday. It's a bit longer than usual, but what a bonus, what a bonus, what a gift to the listeners to the expositors (laughs) Collective podcast. (laughs) This is a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. 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 So, all right. So I, at the beginning, we talked about radio stuff, you know, again, like the, the role that the Christian radio uh, played in your earlier formation Mm. and then kind of the the irony or the blessing that you're actually now on that very same station. Mm. Um, and then I know your your radio program, the the Word Made Plain, is you know it's it's far reaching and all that. What's it like when you when you're teaching, when you're preaching at your church, and you're looking at like the people in your in in your you know um, uh, sanctuary, the Lord's sanctuary, obviously, um, and and you're thinking like, okay, I'm I'm talking to them, but also there's people that are going to listen to this, and there's more listeners out there than there are people in here. How how do you I guess manage that? What's that thought process like?
0: Uh, number one, it's very humble. Uh, let me just say that uh, when I get the data of people that's watching in uh, Russia, Italy, Africa, um, and some uh, it, it used to be Indonesia, Australia, and people are listening like that, and I'm just like, what? I- Hmm. I'm I'm a nobody in Newport News, Virginia, you know, <laughs> and, and so for them to tune in from these places, I'm always blown away. So uh, and then uh, then there's a part that's um, a little scary because it also invites trolls. Okay. Uh, and and I've learned that that term, um, you know, people who will say things, um, you know, uh, behind a computer screen or a phone that they would never say in your face. And I, I call them cowards. And um, um, so that that's the scary part of it. But the humbling part is that people would tune in uh, to listen uh, from all over the place. It's just blown away. Then to hear, uh, to get emails and messages on Facebook or Instagram and stuff saying what the, what the teaching of the word of God is doing for their lives. Yeah. Um, so that is so humbling to me. And, um, and I just, I just bow my head and just give thanks to the Lord for his word because it's his word. He made me. So it's nothing I can take in and of myself uh, because I know it, it, that just like uh, Paul said in Romans seven eighteen there dwells in me, that's in my flesh, no good thing. And so, I know me, and so uh, I'm always humbled by that.
1: Wow, and yeah, and and so does does the thought of like Russians or Indonesians listening in does does that factor into your sermon preparation? Like you spoke earlier on about the importance of like addressing the needs of your community, but right. now now does your does your community include Russia, Indonesia? Um or is it Newport News?
0: yeah, I have not uh, factored in the uh, the international kind of appeal or as far as um when I'm doing sermon prep and that sort of thing. I just know that God through the Holy Spirit will help it apply to these countries and their yeah. situations all over the place because uh, even when i I go in person in California um I, I or, or around the country, I kind of tone it down because stuff that I will be very direct in Newport News, hmm. that I, I wouldn't be quite as direct when I'm speaking around the country. And so my wife had to tell me, she said, "But when they hear you around the country, they're hearing you talk to Newport News. <laughs> and so 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 you you need just to give what God how God gave it to you, you know, And so she really helped me with that. Uh, But yeah, I have not uh, yet, um, you know, decided to uh, think about, oh, those in in China uh, or those in wherever, you know, I haven't thought uh, that far yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think the appeal is that you are a local pastor addressing your people. And sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah yeah okay cool i was just i'm just wondering i'm yeah <laughs> i do not yeah, have definitely. some massive worldwide impact so i just i wonder what it's like i wonder what it's like yeah yeah um, i
0: didn't know you were over in ireland i didn't oh, know that until you just said it oh do you said it. i guess because we only said, see,
1: we only see each other at conferences in america so <laughs> yeah yes yes yeah uh yeah yeah Been in been in ireland for uh 19 years so uh,
0: 19 years period yeah that's right
1: that's right like i came over here when i was five no just kidding (laughs) yep so i'm i'm on the cusp of my 40th birthday actually at the time of recording this so i'm 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 actually kind of like the halfway mark where half of my life has been in the u.s and then the other half is is here that is amazing that is amazing matter of fact you you almost right
0: there almost right there for uh uh you being my son. I have a son that's about to turn uh 39. Yeah. Uh in uh next uh September. Yeah.
1: Well, yep, congratulations you right to him. You you right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, uh, okay. well, last last question and then we'll, we'll we'll wrap this up, Pop. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. How, how how are you, um, like, currently, like, trying to to improve? Like, you've certainly found your own voice. You're comfortable in your own skin. You're you're confident and you're confident. But, like, is there anything you want to get better at?
0: Yeah, I'm always looking to get better in leadership and better in teaching, uh, and better in just dealing with people. Uh, so I'm constantly uh listening to audiobooks, Uh, or or just, you know, picking up a, you know, hard copy. Uh, This past year, I haven't picked up too many, you know, just paperback books or hard. I haven't done too, I've been uh, listening to a lot of audiobooks because Hmm. I call my car Automobile University. Yeah. I've, I've listened to Hmm. more audiobooks, leadership courses, Bible college courses through the Bible with different, uh, pastors, all in my car, just driving back and forth. And I go through so much material just in my car. Yeah. So uh, I'm because I'm always trying to learn, I'm always trying to get better. Um, and there's stuff that I I, I went through. Now, and let me go back through that again. And there's new stuff I'm picking up uh, because John Maxwell always talks about leaders are learners. The moment you stop learning, you stop leading. Hmm. And so um, that's, that's my thing. I'm constantly trying to just get better at, at what
1: I'm doing. Yeah. Hey, best audiobook you listened to this year. So we're, oh, we're recording wow. this in December. So kind of it's, it's you know, everyone's reflecting back on, on the past year.
0: Yeah. You know, matter of fact, uh, there's, there's a couple uh, audiobooks audio books that I thought were really good that I just listened to. Uh this one is called uh help i work with people ah. by by Chad Beach uh, uh forwarded by John Maxwell I thought that was a good one and then uh lead like it matters uh by uh, Greg Cochelle. and you know and I know you know almost saying these names is almost blasphemy uh, within the Calvary Chapel. No way! Kind of I I uh, yeah. I subscribe to
1: both of those podcasts: Leadership oh. Lead In, Leadership Lead In with Chad Beach. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty good, but yeah, but um, Craig Rochelle's monthly one is phenomenal. Absolutely okay. phenomenal.
0: Okay, okay. So you know, um, those were two yeah. um that I I listened to um you know just recently. Matter of fact, I'm going back over those two to pick up some other little things because I like to hear what folks from other, you know, tribes, so yeah. to speak, what they're saying, uh, you know, so I can try to learn something and, um, and chew the meat, spit the bones, you know, and just keep it moving. You know, of course there's stuff that's specific for their contact and I understand that, uh, but it's just something just to hear how they're thinking through the same type of things uh, we're thinking.
1: yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Craig Groeschel, he's on, he's on my wish list of people to get on the show one day. And, you know, he and I, we, we have different philosophies when it comes to the best way to use the Sunday morning sermon time, you know? Sure. Um, sure. However, I I have so much to learn from him and, you know, he's incredibly gifted when it comes to like organizational leadership. Uh, yes, I don't know about you. Yeah. That does not come naturally to me, and so I yeah. I want yeah. to be learning about that all the time. And so, like me too. Yeah. So, yeah. I I me
0: we right here because I, I I'm the same way. I I just want to get better and be a better uh, vessel uh, for the Lord, fit for the Master's use. So I want to be yeah. a vessel of honor, and I want to get better. And um, and especially dealing with people. One thing I learned about Calvary Chapel they taught me how to teach the Bible. But pastoring is more than just teaching the Bible. I had to learn administrative stuff. I had to learn leadership stuff. And the most importantly, I had to learn how to deal with people. How do you deal with people? So John Maxwell helped me with a lot of leadership stuff and and just people stuff. He's helped me uh, tremendously with that. And I'm still learning.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, you know, I, I... I basically went from graduating Bible college to pastoring a church within, you know, about a year. And oh wow. So I just um I sure knew the Bible really good, you know. Again, yeah, Northern yeah. Kingdom, 722, yeah. <laughs> Southern, you know, all, all, all that stuff. And then it's <laughs> like, you know, how how do you organize a calendar? How do you have? You know, like um, volunteer meetings. How do you do a, a, a performance review? And um, again, that's that's secondary to like knowing knowing the God of the Bible and then knowing the Bible itself. Sure, but it's sure. also really important, <laughs> and it's it's really important. And because so,
0: I I just came this when I came out here. I just came out of here. God bless you. You know, uh, we were under the old regime of teach the Bible and they will come. Yes. And you know, uh, and see people tell, let me just say this. I know we got to close. People tell to realize that uh, when, when I, when I got saved and when I started being a part of Calvary chapels, we were still on the tail end of the Jesus revival, the Jesus movement. We were still on the tail end, and it was true. You put it, we used to say it all the time. You put a Calvary chapel sign on your garage and you have an instant congregation.
1: Yeah, and so if people show up. The question then is like, well, what what do I do with these people? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I
0: did yeah. tell them to come back Wednesday night, and, and then I taught them through the Old Testament. Yeah, and, and that's and, and I didn't know how to do any of this other stuff, and I had to learn it from guys outside of Calvin chapels because it that wasn't when we come for pastors' conferences. It was just teaching through the Bible and giving us Bible study, but it wasn't telling us how to run a staff meeting, how do you hire, uh, how do you fire? How, you know, so we didn't long those things. And so I had to learn a model.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And in addition to those, um, extra, extra Calvary um, voices, which are very yeah. really valuable, I, you know, I just want to tell you or the listeners as well, there's kind of our sister podcast is called the leadership collective and it's run by, you know, two, two great guys. Um, Rob Salvato, current pastor of Calvita and Ted Leavenworth. And it is how to run a staff meeting. It's how to organize a board. It's how to hire and fire. It's how to do performance reviews Uh, because that is um, uh, maybe enough people are noticing what you and I noticed years ago that like, Hey, there's more to church than simply um, than simply teaching the Bible. Simply Um, that's a core principle. That's, that's non-negotiable, but then also like, you know, we got to be, you know, shepherds are not just, you don't just feed the sheep, you lead the sheep. And so yeah, I point you I did. that. I oh, did wait
0: a minute. That, you're uh, on I that did. show. Wait a minute. Yes, yeah. I I've heard that. you on that show. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. Right. It's a good. Now, it's a quick story. Um, In uh, 1991, when I came on staff at Calvary Vista, I took a guy's place, a pastor who was leaving to go start a church. And that was Rob Sabato. Was that right? Ron Savidal <laughs> left to go to Salem, Oregon to start a church. I came on staff to take his place. Okay. Okay. Like, so, so we go way back.
1: Yeah. Like ships passing in the night. Uh, it's, a, it's a phrase we say in Ireland. Did it say that in America? Like ships passing in the night? Okay. okay. Yeah,
0: they still do. Okay. And, and, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I'm just, once again, I want to say thank you uh, for just um, allowing me to just share a few things that um, was on my heart.
1: Yeah, it's a real a real treat, Tony. I'm glad I didn't give up six months ago, three months ago. I'm glad that I kept on pestering you to, to make this happen.
0: Oh, I, I was looking forward to it, you know, um, uh, for the longest. And so I'm just glad that we're able to put it together.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I hope to see you in, in June. Um, and uh, if you're, if you're going to be there, I'll be there. So, Oh, amen.
0: Amen. You, you're a blessing. And you keep doing this and putting out stuff like this because many people are growing and learning. And, and this is helping because as you and I know, we, 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 especially for me, I didn't, I didn't have this when I was coming up, uh, in ministry. I had to grab stuff from books and things like that, but I didn't have this type of podcast stuff to look at because there was no such thing as podcast back then
1: yeah yeah and yeah right now there's younger younger you know guys that are they have their own um car universities or auto they do and and, automobile university yeah and and they're listening to you right now on it you know so hopefully it's an encouraging thing hey tony would you mind i don't do this for every episode but like would you mind like praying or you know praying for these people that maybe have a hard time with like application or maybe they're they're feeling all kinds of insecurity as you did in in your early years just uh just just pray pray us out.
0: <laughs> okay. Lord, thank you for this uh, tremendous time you've given us, Lord. I, I want to pray for all of us who are pastors and just trying to be under shepherds of your precious people. Lord, you promised to give your people shepherds after your heart. May we be those type of shepherds. Lord, help us to stay humble by being in your presence through prayer. And Lord, I just pray that you would just help us to apply your word in the context that you have us in. And so, Lord, we pray for the power of your spirit. You said it's not by power, nor by might, but it's by your spirit. Lord, help us to remember it's not in our cleverness or persuasive words of human wisdom. Well, Lord, it's in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. Lord, help us to be those type of leaders that depend upon your spirit and your power. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: All right, amen. Amen. I love a good conversation that ends in prayer. I have a bit of an update to give. Last episode, at the end, I announced that our Indianapolis Expositors Collective was going to be in the month of October. And since then, there's been a slight tweak to the dates. So Take out your calendars, scribble out the last thing that I said, and write in big, bold writing October 27th and 28th. October 27th, October 28th, the Friday and the Saturday, that is the date of our upcoming Expositors Collective training event in Indianapolis, Indiana. Texas is coming, and we've got more stuff that's exciting on the horizon. And I hope to see you there. I hope that this conversation, our training events in Texas and Indiana and everywhere else serve to help you grow in your public proclamation and private study of God's word. God bless. See you next Tuesday.